Hello, and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, November 5th, 2013. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere. This week, we talk about Pattern Lab, a tool for creating atomic design systems created by Brad Frost and Dave Olson. Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. How's it going there? Uh, Good. Good. I got my new Timbuktu bag today, so I'm, I'm very happy. Nice. Is it even better in person? Yes. I'm jealous. I want a new bag. <laughs> yeah, this was my Christmas present to myself. So. Jeez, that's pretty good. Well, uh, I know we have a tight schedule this week, so let's jump right in with uh, housekeeping. Okay. Keep the talking about the weather to a minimum. <laughs> <laughs> we got snow here. Yeah, we did too. It's freezing. So I'm stoked. I think I'm going to burn through that whole quart of lumber we bought. <laughs> yeah, we still need to get some. Yeah. So some quick housekeeping. Uh, mm-hmm. Next week, I'm going to be in San Francisco uh, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday to record the next couple of episodes of Inside the Brackets. So dear listener, uh, hopefully... It won't be late, but occasionally that kind of travel does push the podcast a little late. So um, be forewarned, next week we could be a day behind or so. Um, Let's see. Also, by the time we post this, uh, by the time you're listening to this, uh, I should have posted a uh, a blog post about the work we did on the TechCrunch redesign. Do Do we talk? I think we talked about this. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, so the team that did the uh, Entertainment Weekly M. Responsive site also worked on the new TechCrunch responsive site. And I have to say, every time I click on a link, this this actually happened. I, I was in Twitter, and I clicked on a link to a blog, you know, a tech article, and this, like, page loads, and I'm like, damn, this site is awesome. And then I was like... Oh, it's TechCrunch. Wait, I made that. <laughs> no wonder it's so fast and easy to read. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I, that is a totally nice. true story. Every time I every time I go to the page, I'm like, sweet. Like I go to view source. I'm like, oh, wait. Oh, wait, I wrote that. I wrote that, yeah. Uh, wow, so. that's the JavaScript slideshow was really awesome. <laughs> it's mine. Oh, how, how'd they do that? So I will, if you're curious how we did that, I'm going to be blogging about it um, this week, and the post should be up by the time you hear this podcast. So check the show notes for a link to that. Nice. Uh, a couple other quick news items. Um, did we talk about the Hourglass API on the previous show? Uh, I believe we did briefly. Yeah, so I, I have had need of... basically a timer type of API. So kind of like the opposite of if this, then that I need to like, I need to program this. (laughs) Right. If, if this doesn't happen, then yeah. It's unless this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It is unless this you're right. Yeah. Yeah. How, how very Ruby of me. Yes. Um, so yeah, so, uh, there's, there's a very little there right now, but it does work. So if people are interested, check the show notes uh, for a link to the Hourglass API. And you can uh, I'd most be most interested in um, use cases that you might have for something like this. Uh, basically, what you do is create a timer and say, you know, set the timer for 60 minutes or whatever. 
and if it gets down to zero then it will ping a callback url uh, so what that means is um, you know if you i don't know if you were like the classic example for me in the real world is like getting a haircut you can't put a you can't put in your calendar to get a haircut every whatever four weeks because your haircut neck your next haircut needs to be scheduled four weeks after your last one not every four weeks yeah you know what i mean so yeah. so it's like every time you get a haircut you would reset the timer and then it would be counting down to zero and then if you reset the timer again before it gets to zero then it resets it again so there's this this notion of resetting you know constantly resetting a timer so if you have uh, for example a web application and you want to know if an hour goes by with no one log logging in or a day goes by without a particular user logging in or uh, another example that i like is if uh I get a lot of server emails, automated server emails. And if, if a day goes by without getting one of these server emails, I want to be notified that I didn't get one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you can check and make sure there's a problem. Yeah. Because you're, if you're supposed to get, like, you don't notice, especially if you send them straight into a folder, you don't notice that you're not getting notifications when you used to be. Yeah. Or at least I don't. So, dear listener, looking forward to hearing use cases you might have that aren't included in that list that we just uh, explained. And then finally, uh, Kilo has 14 users. Yay! <laughs> I wouldn't call them all active users, but at least 14 people have tried it out. Yeah, I've been lazy the past couple of days. Uh, I, well, you're not, you're not the laziest one. You're the only person who actually updated your color settings. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so... so uh, Folks, if you are, if you're the kind of person that has lots of devices and you're obsessive like me about tracking your calories, then uh, you can go to getkilo.com and create a free account and start tracking your calories. Um, so Kilo is basically my evergreen proof of concept application where I try out all sorts of different user interface concepts. So potentially you could learn from looking at it as well. Cool. All right. Any news of the world from the uh, Kentucky contingent? Um, no, I don't think so. You know, I've, I feel like I feel like most of what I've done for the last week has been centers around cleaning my house. So, well, this is the housekeeping section. It is the it is the housekeeping section. <laughs> I organized the board game collection. Fab. Yeah. That's no small uh, feat. No, it was no small feat. It involved buying buying additional furniture. <laughs> oh wow. Wow. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. I've I've got a couple of of big projects sort of coming up, and that I that I can't really talk about, and a couple of big things that I'm working on that are hopefully finishing up soon that I can't really talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, the dreaded NDA. So, so no. <laughs> All right, that's cool. So, shall we jump into the featured content? Yes, let's. All right. So this week we are talking about Pattern Lab, which is an open source tool created by Brad Frost uh, with help from Dave Olson that helps you um, create atomic design systems. And you might ask, what the heck is an atomic design system? It's like a style tile on steroids. Yeah, it is kind of. Um, uh, I think it was Stephen Hay, the Stephen Hay quote, uh, let's see if I have one of my background windows here. Stephen Hay says, we are not designing pages. We're designing systems of components. And he's talking about web designers here. 
Yeah, that, that's very true these days with so many different screen sizes and, and everything. Right, like what's a page, and 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 it goes all the way down to. We talk about this all the time. It goes all the way down to the content layer. You know, like you can't be using a CMS that stores content in containers like pages or screens. They have to be stored in the atomic unit of that that is implied by the content, like tweet mm-hmm. or post or comment, uh, and then you know add metadata to that, like long title, medium title, short title. Uh, author, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then whoever's writing the, the consumption or the, the sort of UI views into that data uh, can make decisions about how it should be displayed in a particular context. So, 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 but the history is that people have, you know, you think of building a web page and then you're building a home page and building an, a, an FAQ page and, and, Atomic design is sort of an approach to, set to uh, sort of a, a, a way of thinking about web development and web design in a way that, that completely breaks that page paradigm. So Brad uh, made this pattern lab thingadoodle, which <clears throat> is uh, at, at its heart is a static site generator. And yes. you create um, little call them widgets and he used this sort of chemistry metaphor or biology metaphor where where things are you know created atom atoms and molecules and, and organisms yeah. right exactly and organisms are you know it's sort of arbit is a little bit arbitrary but you can kind of get the feel for it organisms are kind of where you start to get into a widget sort of area uh, and then you end up with um, those all roll into page templates that are kind of generic views of the organisms organized into a particular assembly. And then you can pour content into it to create pages. Mm-hmm. And the reason that this is important is that uh, in a responsive web design world and in a agile development world, you don't have this sort of initial big, huge pixel perfect PSD sign off from the client of Yes, this is what the home page should look like, and yes, this is what the uh, an article page should look like. Yeah, it's it's not going to happen. If you're if you're getting that, you're you're being lied to. <laughs> yeah, or something like a massive chunk is being yeah. left out, not being considered. Uh, yeah. It's it's very running a responsive web design project with a client for the first time is really is shockingly hard. And has blown up in my face in the past where you're like, okay, we want to design this mobile first. And then they're like, well, are we, I thought we were designing a website. We are. This is just a narrow view of it. Oh, well, we should pull in the iOS team to make sure. No, this is a website. Yeah. <laughs> and it spirals yeah, out of control. And Yeah. And I've, I have done responsive projects with people in the past where, where they go, okay, here's the desktop version and here's the 320 pixel iPhone with screen version. Figure out everything. Yeah, figure out everything in between. Yeah, just like, like you know, guess what goes in between. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. I mean, it's like there's usually at least two, two or three major breakpoints between a phone and a decent size desktop monitor that need to be decided on by the business and not by the developer. So, mm-hmm. so pattern lab, um, gives you a really powerful tool for, um, for creating this in a way that's organized and very dry, meaning 
don't repeat yourself. Yes. Uh, so, okay. Um, do you have, I know you've talked to Brad about it. Do you have sort of stuff to add from there? Cause I know, uh, it's, he recently released a new version. I urge people to check it out and it is definitely a big upgrade from the version I use, uh, when we did TechCrunch. Yeah, I haven't, I had never used the previous version and um, I guess I'm just about to soon either either on a project potentially with Brad or on another one of my own that i am got coming up um, potentially using, going to be putting it to use. And um, uh, yeah, it just, to, to me, from a, from a developer, we've always talked about mobile first for a while from that perspective. Mobile first to me makes a lot of sense because as a developer, it's it's kind of sort of easier to conceptualize how everything's going to evolve. Um, just because you're, you're you you can see how it's all going to come together in terms of the code and and that sort of stuff. But it is it is really difficult sometimes I think for the client to be able to visualize um, how the pieces are all going to fit together because you know, everything moves around a lot. There's there's a lot of you know, there's there's phones, there's seven inch tablets, there's iPads in landscape, iPads in portrait, there's all that kind of stuff. And um, uh, I think a lot of people, from from what I've seen, you know, as I said, they tend to think, okay, here's a desktop version, and here's a mobile version, mobile meaning meaning phone. And um, what really appealed to me about Pattern Lab, and especially listening to Brad talk about it. Um, was how quickly and easily it is to demonstrate the responsive design to the client and how quickly it is to <clears throat> to to get feedback and iterate on things with with them and that it just kind of kind of makes it you know kind of seems like it really puts things in perspective for your client it makes it a lot easier for them to understand the the con the mobile first concept and and where you're going with it and and they can just kind of watch watch the whole process evolve. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it takes away a lot of the hand wavy stuff that you, that I've done on previous projects. So, like, if you're building, if you're just building something for yourself, and you're the client, and you're good with responsive design, you probably don't need this because you can already envision what's going on. Right. This is a tool for getting buy-in throughout a, a mobile, a sort of responsive project uh, where there is no, there was no upfront sign off, which makes the client feel very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like, you know, the developers like, and the designers are like, yeah, yeah, it's going to look great. You know, but this, this <laughs> does us. Yeah. So if you take it, it, if, if you do this sort of design in the browser thing, they can really, they, they can and will play with it, you know? So yeah, we'll, they, they they very quickly have something that they can see and that they can play with. Right. And so like of, of the many advantages of this one that I love is um, that the performance conversation can come up. So, so uh, not that the, you know, it's a, it's a static site generator, but you can get a feel for scroll. I shouldn't say performance so much, but just like the, the, they can play with it and be like, Oh, this, this, is scrolling way too long or experiment with the interactions. Yeah. Experiment with the interactions and the animations and you know, Oh wow. You know, this, this sounded great. It's happened to me a bunch of times where something even I thought sounded good when you actually implement it is really annoying. 
yeah. you know, to that. As yeah, I, I run into that a lot. Yeah, it seems like oh, this be this is such a great idea, and then you put it in. So um, when so the way that we worked with Pattern Lab, uh, we used it on Entertainment Weekly and on TechCrunch. What happened was um, initially, Dan Mall from Super Friendly would was he was sort of. Well, let's see what happened first. First, the information architecture, which was a different person on the two projects. But basically that resulted in uh, static gray box wireframe type stuff. Mm-hmm. Just real big picture kind of stuff um, that laid out the, and I, and I think they were mobile first actually in both cases, um, but they kind of laid out the rough organization of, you know, the like top level navigation and, um, Actually, that was the main thing, top-level navigation and just a rough arrangement of big, huge pieces on yeah, a like given content page. content hierarchy. Yeah, exactly. It, it almost didn't need the the gray boxes. It could have almost just been text, like an outline. Yeah. And then once that was done, then um, Dan and Brad both started sort of at the same time. So Brad started making HTML and, and, and just very, very basic CSS practically, I would say very little CSS, actually, mostly HTML, you know, very semantic HTML. And he would, he built these little atoms of like a headline or, uh, or whatever. And then he'd arrange those into, I don't know, like a, like a post title. And, and then in a little bigger organization, like, um, you know, a comment widget, and then assemble mm-hmm. those into a template. And as he was doing that, uh, uh, Dan would be doing things like uh, picking typography. You know, he'd sort of he'd do a, a kind of like site-wide audit and be like, okay, the, we need probably three different typefaces at these different weights. This is what a heading is going to look like. This is what a long heading will look like. This is what the stuff in the title bar, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. And he'd do text treatments and colors and, um, uh, and that sort of thing. And, you know, a lot of people talk about this uh, probably think I'm talking about style tiles. Uh, he calls it, um, element collages. And to him, there's a distinction, although you can go to super friendly to, uh, to let Dan explain the difference. Cause to me, it's kind of lost on me. <laughs> um, but it's basically not pages. It's like little uh, title pools of design almost. Mm-hmm. It's like these little mm-hmm. freestanding blobs. And so as those would come together, um, he and Brad would quickly work together and it was not, was not a long process. You know, he would say, here's, here's some stuff. And Brad would start uh, adding CSS to the pattern lab to kind of make that happen. Right. And if there was a place where, you know, since, since Dan wasn't designing pages, sometimes it would work its way up to a template and then he would put test data in there and the page would be a little too jumbled or there'd be like, you know, there'd be a situation like Brad would be like, well, how much space should we have between these two sections? Yeah. And then Dan would design that particular thing, like that one little thing. And then Brad would implement it. So it went, it, it worked great. And then yeah, it's, it's an extremely iterative process. Yes. And then at any point we could have our weekly design meeting and, and say, okay, here's the stuff Dan's working on everybody. And we did sign off on those. The mm-hmm. color, color palette is a big one. People like to argue about that. And, uh, and the typefaces, people like to talk about that. Um, but then once those are put into a page, all bets are off and they, they oh, you know what? That green's too green <laughs> because it's a giant, giant blob of green. Giant thing, blob of green. Yeah. 
So it's like when you get a paint chip from Lowe's and then you go and put it on your wall and you're like, oh my God, I live inside oh, of a bubblegum wrapper. <laughs> inside a piece of bubblegum? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That pink's a lot pinker on the wall. <laughs> I'm, yeah. <laughs> Erica's mom is just here painting the inside door, the inside of our front door pink. Inside of your front door pink? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I'm just glad it's not the outside. Yeah. No, it's actually nice. It's it's not pink. It's coral. Oh, okay. That's a little better. Yeah. It's pink with a hint of orange. Yeah, you're right, actually. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, so what <laughs> would happen? It seems yeah. It seems like a very a very quick process. It was. I mean, there were certainly tons of long nights. Uh, you know, the night before a meeting to get certain, to, you know, to keep at the timeline or whatever. But it was very organized and and believe me when i tell you that the TechCrunch site is is like a media property it's not a website mm-hmm. and it has tv channels and with video islands and you know and they have an entire events section they have crunch base is a completely separate thing and i mean there were i'm not going to say hundreds but there were there were probably close to a hundred types of templates and it wasn't, I don't, and, I, and sometimes I would think, oh, well, you should have pared that down. But it's, they really div, do have a wide array of really unique types of content. So uh, it was, and it was easy to imagine at the time that we would have developed each one in a silo and it would have had a, would have had a really, really hard time creating consistency across the silos. Yes. For, you know, it would have been crazy. Uh, yeah, so this, this made it possible. You could change one, you could change one atom and it would propagate throughout the entire site. And sometimes, sometimes that was bad because it was included in places where you weren't expecting it. But, um, but nine times out of 10, it was a very good thing. Yeah. And if you do come up where it's bad and there's something you weren't expecting, then that probably just means you need to re-examine your, your implementation of, of that one thing. <laughs> yeah. You just turn one atom into two cause they aren't actually the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, so you do, and it, it, it raises these, it raises really interesting, um, it re- reveals potential problems because you're like, well, why do I need two different molecules of what really is the same thing? Like, is this right. a mistake? You know, should we be, should we be rethinking this? Or are these actually fundamentally different? Uh, so it was super, super cool. And you end up, each, each HTML, each chunk of HTML, whether it's in an atom, a molecule, or an organism, is usually like a screenful. It's it's usually never more than a screenful. So you, it's mm-hmm. very easy to um, get your head around the particular thing you're looking at, and then no. yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So I said so now, um, now I have not, I have not yet used Pattern Lab. I've just taken a look at it. Um, what what do you do? Are you creating these pages and then dumping them into a directory and or creating creating this content and dumping it into a directory and then Pattern Lab does its thing, or is there some kind of built in editor for creating for authoring content or how does that work yeah no no no. it's it's um it's what you said first so a at least when i worked with it it seems like they've updated it a little bit which i'll talk about in a second but they the way it worked at the time was there's literally like um you know a pattern directory which was the mm-hmm. root level of pattern lab and had an index file and then there was an atoms folder a molecules folder an organisms folder a templates folder and a pages folder okay and 
you and in each one there were um, there were just PHP files in this case. Uh, th this is, by the way, I should mention that this is the PHP. The, the pattern lab that Brad released is open source on GitHub and it is PHP based and he does invite people to port it over to other languages, but it is PHP right now. Ooh. Yeah. Project. Ruby gal. Mm. So if you prefer to write in PHP, you can, I mean, in PHP or Ruby, you can certainly um, port it over and do it. I think someone already did a node version. So what you what we did anyway is we would go into the atoms fo folder and be like, um, here's this little chunk of just raw HTML, mm -hmm. and then when you went up to the molecules folder, there would be and there'd be no includes, no PHP includes, which is basically if you don't know, PHP include basically just pulls in inline contents of another file. Right. Uh, then you go up to molecules and there'd be some you know a little chunk of HTML with possibly some atoms in atom files included and then up the chain organization you know organisms okay. would have molecules included and et cetera, et cetera. Okay. so at any point you know you said this kind of um i mean he sort of arbitrarily picked this number of levels and mm -hmm. uh but the the beauty of it is that there's no you know you're just dropping the files into folders and you can edit them with whatever you like. You can use Sublime Text 2 or you can use JetBrains or you can use whatever you want and you can write the, as he puts it, you can write your code as good or crappy as you like. <laughs> and you just put them in, put it in the folders and they assemble themselves. And I assume then if you wanted to, you could even like put PHP in there to maybe generate random text or something like that. Uh, I don't, we did not do that. We were pretty religious about not doing that. Although there was one case where I did do it. And uh, it was when I was creating the galleries, which was sort of off unto itself. Mm -hmm. um, and Pattern Lab was still kind of squishy. And there was still like, it hadn't been completely worked through. So what, right. I, what I did with, um, I, I, the way the gallery worked is that each page was the same thing essentially, but with different content. And we didn't, when we worked on it, we didn't have the notion of templates. So for me to create a gallery, I had to actually create like 10 pages. And then those 10 pages kind of like polluted the rest of the pages directory because they really <laughs> yeah. were templates. Right, right. So I said, okay, I'm not going to do that. And that's when the templates concept was born. And I, uh, what I did was, um, I just had like a for each loop and I had some data it, like up in the header and then it would just loop through depending on the page that it was on. It was actually pretty complicated to make it work, but I think that I haven't used this new version with templates in it, but I assume it addresses exactly that. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. So um, another big difference um, now that uh, we didn't deal with at the time was that uh, it looks like he's using mustache for the templating which is probably genius because it is um, mustache has been ported to so many different languages. Yes. So you can pretty much be, you know, it's a big piece of the thing of pattern lab. And if you did want people to port it to other languages, it would be really hard because how would you, the rendering would be weird. It would be like, if you used PHP specific templating, then it'd be like, how do I deal with this? <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really good idea. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you can go to GitHub. You can, uh, there's a, a 
copious amount of documentation. And uh, there's a whole wiki on GitHub that takes you through the whole installation, suggested usage, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's tons. I cannot believe how much documentation has already been created for it. That's great. Yeah, it's awesome. So people should head on over to pattern-lab.info and read all about it. Yeah, I'm excited to, to start using it. Yeah, I can't think of a, I mean, a, any project that has a client, you know, that has like client involvement, this is like perfect. It really keeps you on track for, you know, when you've got a huge confusing project. And it has disco mode. Yeah. <laughs> which I'll leave as an exercise to the dear listener to discover. <laughs> yeah, it kind of can, can, made me a little queasy, to be honest, but. <laughs> I think he added a yay mode, which is a little less bouncy. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's a yay mode. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some new cool stuff uh, that's that's in there. So I, I will personally be playing around with it. And if uh, we have any any big changes or if anything that uh, we just said was actually wrong, then we can always update you folks later. Well, I hear the baby crying upstairs, and that's my oh, cue. Yeah, we gotta go. I have to go figure out something for for dinner. I was supposed to put a roast on around noon in the slow cooker around noon today, and completely forgot. So, oopsie. To come up with something, or the family's gonna starve. Ordering pizza. Yep. Well, all right, folks. That's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaper. And we hope you join us again next week for the Niche Podcast. Bye. Bye.